Welcome to episode 244 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is the objects to observe in the August 22 uh, night sky edition. So, you excited to do some astronomy in August, Shane? Yeah, this is the best time of the year for us, Chris. You know, the uh, we're well past our perpetual twilight in June. Um, you, you know, it's getting dark at a decent time, and uh, the you know the temperatures are still nice so it's uh, relatively comfortable to observe i i love august observing perfect yeah me too um you know maybe before we get going we'll just see some helpful hints for getting started in summer stargazing so um yeah what are some of the things that people can do if they if they want to start uh, you know just really looking up and enjoying astronomy maybe a little bit more than they have in years past shane where, where can they begin um, well, just your eyes or even a, a pair of binoculars is really all you need to enjoy the night sky. Um, certainly having like a star chart, uh, something like uh, Terence Dickinson's Night Watch um, or the Sky and Telescope Pocket and Sky Atlas mm. um, are really helpful uh, to navigate around the night sky, help you identify constellations, help you uh, locate objects within constellations. And, um, you know, if you're new to astronomy, um, some objects to, um, uh, you know, take note of would be any of the Messier objects. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of those under a dark sky, you can see with just your eyes and certainly mm -hmm. with binoculars, uh, you can see a number of the Messier objects. Um, so, uh, you know, that's a, a great place to start. Yeah. I think skymaps.org or sorry, it used to be skymaps.org, skymaps.com make these really, uh, handy free, um, star charts um that are basic like naked eye star, star charts with uh you know with with some guidance on a left-hand column that says when the moon will be close to stars and planets and where stars and planets are going to be and just sort of has the general layout of the nighttime sky in a very easy to follow star chart format with uh with some basic instructions i think that's also a great resource on top of binoculars and uh and the terence dickinson uh book that you recommend yeah for sure yeah I think all right that's great so we're going to talk about some conjunctions. So, uh, yeah. So what is, what is a conjunction? Um, basically it's when two objects appear to be close together in the night sky. Um, they're typically not, but like, uh, for example, like Saturn and the moon may be really close together and we would call that a conjunction. So typically to, I think, fit the definition of conjunction, they have to have the, like roughly the same right ascension yeah, um, and then be fairly close to each other. Yeah. And so the term kind of gets loosely thrown around. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like generally a conjunction, if you're seeing like a conjunction, uh, often it'll just be sort of a more um, common definition of uh, two, uh, two celestial objects that are close together and typically they're going to be like uh, the moon and a planet or a couple planets or, or maybe all three or something like that. All right. And then we're going to have uh, double shadow transits on Jupiter. So, so what are the double shadow transits on, on Jupiter, uh, Shane, generally? So uh, there, there's a number of shadow transits on Jupiter. Um, and basically what it is, is it's one of the four Galilean moons is transiting somewhere kind of in front of Jupiter and casting a shadow from the sun. Uh, onto the surface of Jupiter. And we can observe that with telescopes and a double shadow transit means two of those Galilean moons just happen to be projecting their shadow onto the surface of Jupiter. So super cool. And when you get into the double and the triple transits, uh, those start to become more rare. Those don't always happen. So they're neat ones to observe. Yeah, cool. 
So uh, yeah, let's get started. August 1st, uh, August starts with a conjunction of uh, Mars, which will be uh, about a degree and a half, uh, maybe as close as 1.4 degrees for some folks. Um, so Mars is going to be uh, just under a degree and a half north of Uranus. So that's a great opportunity to actually track down Uranus, which uh, otherwise can be a little bit difficult to track down because it's only about magnitude 5.7, 5.8, which is just barely discernible to the naked eye in a dark site. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that'll be a really good uh, opportunity if you've never seen Uranus before. Yeah, I think that's going to be um, something you'll need to track down with binoculars. But basically, what you'll see is uh, is Mars rising um, in the morning sky. It's bright and red, and then uh, yeah, you can just Google like star chart for Mars on August first, and then uh, yeah, it's going to be basically uh, very very close to Uranus. And through a telescope, of course, many telescopes. Um, We'll, uh, we'll have a low power field that we'll be able to take in about a degree and a half. Even pretty big telescopes can take in about a degree and a half with uh, low power wide field uh, optics. And uh, yeah, be able to see both uh, you know our, our next door neighbor and uh, our not so next door neighbor uh, way out in the outer solar system where Uranus lives. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, August 4th, uh, Mercury is going to be at 0.7 degrees north of Regulus. And now this, I think, is uh, is going to be too tough for us to see, Shane, here in the Northern Hemisphere, because Mercury is very close to the sun, which means it hangs out in uh, twilight um, for, for everybody when they're they're going to observe it. But because here we're experiencing summer, it's uh, it's like super light still. Um, but I know like we have uh, Wade and we have Felipe, have other folks that are in the Southern Hemisphere. And so August 4th could be a good opportunity um, for those listeners to be able to uh, to go down and and take a look at uh, at Mercury just uh, just almost three quarters of a degree north of Regulus, uh, you know, in, in the nighttime sky. Yeah, it should be should be kind of a great uh, a great set of observations there for those in the southern hemisphere to see uh, Mars and Uranus, and then uh, just a few nights later uh, to be able to see Mercury um, and uh, and Regulus. Yeah, yeah, great opportunity. Yeah, August 5th, we have the uh, first quarter moon. And when the moon is at first quarter, uh, you can see the straight wall. So what is the straight wall and what would people need to see it, Shane? Um, So every every month when we do this, we often talk about these effects or these uh, things to see on the moon. It's not an actual object, so to speak. It's more of a a play between how the sun illuminates some parts of the moon and then casts others into shadow. So the straight wall basically looks like a a big, long, straight black line uh, on the moon. And it's quite noticeable at the right time when the shadow is just right. Um, So this is known as a Claire Obscure effect. And uh, for this one, um, I've never tried it with binoculars. Uh, It might be visible. You would certainly need some stronger binoculars, um, like maybe 12 or 15 times. Uh, but certainly through just about any aperture of telescope, uh, this is a, a fairly easy thing to see. Yeah, maybe like a pair of like uh, like a lot of folks get those 15 by 70s. I mm-hmm. feel like it should be visible in those. For sure. Yeah, I think that would work. Yeah. August 9th, we're going to have a double shadow transit um, on Jupiter for uh, the, uh, the moon. I was going to say planet, but uh, Jupiter has these four moons these Galilean moons that are almost like planets in themselves. And this one is Europa is going to be uh, going across um, 
the uh, oh sorry uh, yeah and and it's going to be visible in eastern North America this double uh, shadow transit for uh, for two of the moons uh, passing over the cloud tops of Jupiter and then their shadows will be cast onto the uh, cloud deck and you'd be able to see those I, I think you really need to have about a sixty um, to seventy millimeter telescope to start seeing these and in an eighty millimeter scope they start showing up uh, pretty darn good as as these little black dots on uh, on the cloud deck on Jupiter they're actually pretty easy to see. Yeah. Yeah. One, you know, the first time I saw one of the uh, shadow transits on Jupiter, it, it, you know, I struggled to see it, but then once I did it, it just really jumps out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. They do jump out. It's yeah. It's just one of those things. Um, I've seen them uh, just, just randomly over the years and certainly they're worth uh, getting out to see on, on those nights, especially since August 9th is only a couple days before full moon. So um, might not be doing too much uh, deep sky observing. So August 11th is going to give us um, the full moon, which uh, typically there isn't uh, too much to see because um, the moon, when it's full, kind of washes out the night sky sort of for the period of a few days on either side of full moon. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, oftentimes people get pretty excited about uh, the full moon because it's the thing that most people can see in the nighttime sky. But unfortunately, it does wash out, um, you know, the fainter stars as well. The uh, the surface of the moon just kind of gets totally washed out, kind of like uh you know, walking out into your backyard if it's covered in snow on a on, on noon on a bright sunny day will uh, will give you like a very flat light. Can be difficult to uh, to see much detail. You want to wait until uh, it's later in the day if you're going to do some photographs, just like uh, with the moon. Uh, you want to wait until it's a few days before past a full moon to uh, to look at the moon and and be able to see some of the features on there. Yeah, yeah, the moon does. Uh does change things a little bit for us. Um, <clears throat> like you said, nebulas, galaxies, fainter objects, you know, we really can't observe all that well during full moon, mm -hmm. uh, double stars, variable stars, some open clusters, um, you know, remain on the list and certainly planets, uh, are, are great objects during that time. Yeah. The next night, August 12th, Saturn is going to be just four and a half degrees above the moon. So that could be worth, uh, you know, uh, taking a look at if people so wish. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty close. And uh, some wide field telescopes will be able to encapsulate both, but uh, most binoculars should be able to get those. Yeah. Um, and then August 13th, it's sort of a, a bit sad because we have uh, just passed full moon by a couple of days, the Perseid meteor shower peak, and that's going to be uh, too close to the full moon, uh, my friends. So you won't be uh, seeing too many Perseid meteors that night. No, but you'll, you'll see Perseids all month. Um, so it's not uncommon for, you know, both like two weeks on uh, both sides of the pinnacle. Uh, you know, you're going to see more meteors than you normally would. It's just, we'll miss out on the real peak, uh, which is unfortunate, but um, August is always Perseid month. Yeah, I think during that first week of uh, August, if people get up early and they go out and look towards the eastern horizon, uh, they would certainly start to uh, start to see some of the... Uh, Perseids coming in in the early morning hours. Yeah, for sure. All right, August 14th, um, we're looking at Neptune, three degrees north of the moon. So here again, you have a nice pairing of uh, one of the outer planets, the most outer uh, official planet, um, Neptune, which is going to be three degrees north of the moon, meaning that you'd be able to pick it up in a pair of binoculars. Uh, typically, Neptune is a little bit difficult to see because it's getting close to about eighth magnitude. Um, which means you can't see it with your unaided eye. Um, but eighth magnitude uh, is something that you can see with a good pair of binoculars. And so uh, 
that night, uh, Neptune is just going to appear uh, basically about just uh, almost about half or or a third of a binocular field uh, above the moon and uh, be one of the brighter uh, stars in that region of the sky that night. Mm-hmm. Also on the 14th, Saturn is at opposition. So that means that Saturn is going to rise um, when the sun goes down and it's going to set when the sun rises. So this means that it's well-placed um, to take a look at the rings all night. I was actually out looking at uh, Saturn a little bit last night through my five and a half inch telescope. Have, uh, have you taken a look at it recently, Shane? No, no, I haven't. Not recently. Yeah, it's starting to get to the point where it's rising at a convenient hour. You know, mm-hmm. I was out mm-hmm. uh, around 1130 uh, last night and, and it was getting high enough to take uh, a look at. Of course, uh, before this point in time, we're recording this in the middle of July. Uh, before now, it wasn't getting high enough to take a look at until after midnight. So you had to get up into the early hours to take a look at it. But now it's becoming uh, an evening um object to, to take a to take a peek at through the telescope uh, with binoculars you won't be able to see the rings or anything but if you have a little telescope now uh, you can start getting out into the evenings and uh and taking a, a gander at those beautiful uh ring systems uh, on saturn uh, shane what is your uh favorite thing to look at when you look at uh, saturn well, certainly the rings, um, and, and really just trying to find or, or, or see the subtle changes of detail, uh, both within the rings, but also on the disc of Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, on the disc, there's some cloud bands. They're kind of subtle, but you can see some variation there. Um, and then within the rings, you know, you're always looking for the Cassini division, uh, but there's um, there's other uh, features that you can see sometimes in the rings if the you know if the seeing is night nice or really good and you have some larger aperture. Um, there's a lot of detail that you can tease out of that planet. Yeah, and like with uh, you know like with uh, Jupiter, there's actually moons around Saturn as well. So of course the rings are are great, but then also really fun to try to pick out like Titan, which is the brightest moon um around saturn and then uh, some of the other fainter ones are enceladus mimus dione epidus tethys um rhea uh these moons uh do tend to stick out a little bit so if you have like a, a five or six inch telescope or larger you can start to uh, to see several of the moons and usually uh i mean i think you can even see uh titan through a good pair of binoculars so you, you can always try to hunt that down as well usually gonna look like a bright star right next to it and then uh, you come out a couple nights later and uh, still sitting in or about the same position that's uh that's going to be tightened yeah all right yeah. august 15th uh, jupiter is just going to be about two degrees north of the moon so a nice pairing there and uh so uh, that's going to be getting towards the morning sky though so you're going to get up early and take a look for jupiter and the moon just paired together so easy to find because you find the moon and then take your binoculars or just even looking naked eye jupiter's pretty bright um be curious to speak if people be able to see uh, Jupiter sort of separate it from, from the moon there, but that should be uh, possible. Mm-hmm, for sure. August 16th, we have another double shadow transit on Jupiter. So if you uh, missed wow. the one uh, earlier in the month, I think that was on August 9th, then you can go out and take a look for the uh, two shadows on top of uh, the cloud decks of Jupiter. And then on August 17th, asteroid 704 interamnia is going to be at opposition at magnitude 9.9. So that's a, uh, uh, an object that you would be able to hunt down in a good pair of binoculars from a dark site. And uh, it's a large F-type asteroid, and it's the fifth largest asteroid after Ceres, Vesta, Pallas, and Hygieia. So have you ever taken a look at that? I've, I haven't taken a look at this inter, 
Ramnia before. I got to try to no. take a look. I've seen the other ones. No, I've never seen this one. Yeah. So it was discovered October 2nd in 1910 by Vincenzo Cerulli and named after the Latin uh, name for Tramo in Italy, where Cerulli worked. So anyway, yeah, I want to try to hunt that down sometime in August because they'll be hovering around 10th magnitude. And I feel like that should be a pretty good one to hunt down in the comic catcher from my reasonably dark site. And uh, yeah, so what you do is you need to go out and sort of find that uh, thing that looks like a star in the right position. I probably need to use your uh, astronomy software to do that. And then um, you need to go out a couple nights later and see if it moved. I think that's the best way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very good. August 18th, Uranus is going to be occulted by the moon. So that means the moon is going to pass um, in front of Uranus. And uh, I think we actually can see that here in Saskatchewan and in uh, anywhere in sort of uh, North America. And then it's going to be a close call um, for a lot of other folks uh, around the world. It'd be very, very close to Uranus and the moon. So that's a good opportunity there. Um, August 19th, we get into the last quarter moon. These are going to be in my opinion, two of the best uh, weeks for observing throughout the year for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, because hopefully the bugs will have quieted down by then, but still that summer sky, but the skies will be dark, nice and early. Saturn's going to be nice and high, and you can observe that for a while. Then Jupiter's going to rise. You have a nice Milky Way overhead if you're at a dark site, so it's all good. Let's see. Uh, on August uh, 22nd, the minor planet Vesta is going to be in opposition, and uh, yeah, what would what would Vesta look like? You've looked at Vesta before, I imagine. Yeah, so it's stellar. You know, it'll look like a star. And, um, uh, you know, if you observe it over a period of time and note the background stars, you should see some movement there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, it's just the the sort of pleasure of hunting down a minor planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just sort of look that up in your astronomy software or some sort of chart online. And uh, then when you point your binoculars at it, you'll be able to... Uh, to follow that over the course of a couple nights and, uh, and then uh, get, get the sense of motion in amongst the stars. August 20, 25th, the minor planet Ceres is uh, going to be uh, occulted uh, by the moon um, for, uh, I think it's South uh, America is where that one's going to take place. And also on August 25th, that's the, uh, the date William Herschel died 200 years ago on that. Oh, day. wow. Yeah. So maybe there's a connection there. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, August 26th, look for the old 20-hour uh, moon. So the moon's going to be very, very old in the east just before sunrise, um, at least for uh, central portions of North America. And then on August 27th, the new moon and Mercury. Um, Mercury is going to be at uh, greatest elongation and visible in the evening sky. But that's going to be best uh, for those south of the equator. So... Um, that's it for sort of our, our object list. Uh, Comet K2 Pan Stars continues to put on a reasonable show. I've heard from people saying that they're able to get it in binoculars. I guess I kind of saw it in binoculars last night, but maybe maybe the moon was interfering a bit much. I got it in the telescope. Um, it's certainly subtle, um, even in a five and a half inch telescope. So have you been able to see it from the city, Shane? No, I haven't. Um... I, sh I haven't been using big aperture though, either, uh, or at least big aperture for me. I've really just been messing around with my 71 millimeter, uh, Borg. So, um, maybe I should take out the four inch this week and see what I can see. Yeah. Yeah. sounds good. I, I think people, uh, will, uh, 
we'll be able to see that uh, throughout August. Uh, it's going to pass from Ophiuchus into Scorpius there. And uh, right now they're saying it's magnitude seven. I, I think more, maybe maybe seven and a half for me last night. Um, it's, uh, it's large and diffuse. And uh, I did see an image of it. The images make it look a little bit better than it did last night. Although again, um, it wasn't completely dark when I was looking at it. So I'm kind of hoping to, uh, to get another look uh, perhaps in uh, another four or five days uh, once the moon is, is totally out of the sky and, and it will be in a dark sky. So with that, Shane, did you want to uh, talk about the, uh, you know, we look at the AAVSO uh, variable stars for the month. Uh, and uh, this month they were talking about the variable star R Aquilae. Do you want to talk about that for a moment and then we'll stop yeah. talking? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so if you're interested in variable star observing, this is, uh, the recommended one for this month from the AAVSO. Um, so it's located just off the trailing edge of the Western wing of Aquila, the Eagle. Um, so that's about five degrees South of Zeta Aquilae. Um, and this marks the wingtip. Uh, so our Aquilae is a red giant star and about the same mass as our sun, but like many of us, uh, <laughs> has expanded uh, as it aged. Um, if it were located in place of our sun, Earth would be orbiting inside its outer atmosphere. So not good news for us if that was the case. Um, but at its brightest, our Aquilae is visible to the naked eye as a dim red star, but it dims over 600 times from its brightest, making it just visible in binoculars. Uh, so its period, uh, so the period from, you know, kind of maximum brightness to minimum um, is uh, 270 days. Now, this period uh, has been decreasing, though, about nine hours per year since it was discovered uh, to be variable in 1915. Uh, the reason for the decrease is unknown at this time. And this is one of those things that kind of makes um, observing variables interesting. You know, there's uh, there's still, you know, science to be done here. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, really neat. All right. Anything else to add to this episode, Shane? No, that's everything, Chris. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We're uh, always putting out a couple podcasts every week, it seems, for the past uh, 27 months since the beginning of the pandemic. And it seems like we're going to keep going at that rate. Um, we're always excited to get your observing emails and uh, any show suggestions or ideas to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.